Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings. The NFL. Football. Yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here and a return guest, a friend of the show, Bobby Peters, who is an author. Last year, he wrote the Rams and Eagles third down manuals, two of my favorite books to look through and learn about offense in the NFL. And this year, he has been embarking on an even bigger project to write about the 2018 Chicago Bears offense under Matt Nagy. Very relevant for this week as the Vikings play the Bears in a win-and-in situation. The new book is going to be called the 2018 Chicago Bears Complete Offensive Manual. Bobby, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Sure thing, man. Uh, so your work was super detailed with the Eagles and with the, the Rams books. Let me just ask you, taking on an offense that is very complicated like the Chicago Bears, Mike Zimmer has made jokes about how they have 200 plays or, or whatever, 800 plays, whatever the, the, the comment was, but just about how much is involved in this Bears offense. What has been your observation from studying it uh, throughout this season for how complex Matt Nagy's offense is? So from, from my particular perspective, because I'm writing the book, so, so if, you've, if you've looked at the, the Rams and Eagles books that I put out last year, I, I broke those down based on concept, and I'm going to do the same thing for this year's Bears manual. So, so from that standpoint, the Bears do a lot of different things conceptually. So there's, you know, each, each concept has its own section. So there's going to be quite a few sections, um, to this book. And, and a lot of that comes to, to Matt Nagy having different slight tweaks and variations of, of base stuff around the NFL that he'll, he'll tailor to specific opponents. And, you know, that just, that creates a lot of volume that Mike Zimmer talks about. And it gives, it gives Nagy and the Bears coaching staff basically anything at their disposal. Um, when game planning for specific opponents. So give me an example of, of just how that works. Um, because when I think about, you know, the Vikings and how they're going to game plan for this, you know that you're going to see certain general things. You know that you're going to see Tariq Cohen moving vertically up the field at, at different times. You know that they're going to use Trey Burton in uh, some unique ways, but especially coming across the field and things like that. Like, you know what, where you're going to get in a lot of these different things, the RPOs, you're going to see them. But how does Nagy spin some of those things that makes it difficult on defense? 
So, so in particular, um, one of the base concepts is actually, I tweeted out kind of a mock cover that I'm probably going to end up using for the book a few weeks ago. Um, it's, it's the, uh, they're out of a bunch set. It's their spot dig with HB read concept. That's just kind of a, I try to use generic terms when I'm, um, you know, making the stuff up for the book, you know, I don't want to get too, you know, into the, the different terms they could use for it, but that's just to try to keep it general. So what it is, is it's a, it's a flat route, a snag route, and then a dig behind it to the bunch side. And then to the weak side of the formation, they're going to free release the back. Usually it's Tariq Cohen on an option route. And then the, the receiver to that side will, he'll condense himself and run a corner route or a kind of like a speed out at 10 if the corner's off to, to kind of adjust his route based on the coverage. And that's the Bears, will, they're good for running that maybe four or five times a game, depending on the week. Some games even more against New York, they ran that and variations of that, um, you know, maybe upwards of 10 to 15 times. And just off of that specific play, the Bears have, three or four different double moves off of that where they can take shots down the field. Last week against the uh, the San Francisco 49ers, they hit Allen Robinson on the second drive of the game um, on, a, on an adjustment off the corner route. He was, the, he was the single receiver to that short side of the field. They ran a corner and go. Um, Dan Orlovsky, actually, he posted a, a cool breakdown of that play on Twitter. Um, I would definitely highly, highly recommend checking that out if you want a good visual of the concept. Um, and, and what that does is it takes advantage of any safeties or corners that drive on that route when teams want to guard that one on one because they're worried about three cone underneath on the option route. They'll, they'll usually bring a line, you know, they'll roll safety down or they'll, they'll bring an extra linebacker over to double team him. Um, so that's one adjustment. And then the second adjustment that, that they've had a ton of success with this year is having, so to that single receiver side, that receiver will run kind of like a mini dig, like a curl route kind of at 10 yards to kind of suck that corner in slightly. They'll, they'll pre-release Cohen out of the backfield. He'll stutter for a second or two, and then he'll run a wheel route out of that look. And against New York, because they wanted to – so typically what defenses will do against these option routes out of the backfield is if they're going to choose to guard it man-to-man, which New York did, what, what, what they'll do is they'll have that defender play on the inside hip of the running back coming out of the backfield because that inside breaking route is much harder to, to defend than the outbreaking route. The outbreaking route's a harder throw for the quarterback as well. So that's, that's kind of a technique that defenders will use. So Nagy, Nagy and the Bears coaching staff realized this and they started running Cohen on these wheel routes because he had outside leverage and they were playing man to man on his inside hip and no linebacker is going to run with Tariq Cohen going up the sideline. So that was, a, they had quite a few big plays and I believe Tariq Cohen might've had 200 yards of offense in that game too. Um, that was definitely a, a good one for fantasy owners of, of Tariq Cohen that week. Um, but those those are two particular adjustments off that that base concept that they run quite often that that had a ton of success for them this year. Well, he's the guy that I'm really focused on this week. As much as I have respect for the other weapons, the Burton and, and Robinson and Taylor Gabriel, they're all explosive in their different ways. But with Cohen, he seems to be the beginning of of everything for their offense as uh, as a receiver out of the backfield and then the occasional runner. Uh, but especially when he's coming out of the backfield, it didn't cause the Vikings too many problems in their first time at Soldier Field. But as I've gone back and watched a couple of Chicago games, it seems like everything begins with him and that they work off of all of that. Why Why is that? I mean, what works for him? What makes him so dangerous in the way that they use him? It's So you're, you're absolutely correct. He is kind of the focal point, and he's oftentimes the first, the first reader, the primary in Mitch's progression. Um, I mean, his skill set, it, it speaks for itself. I mean, you watch the guy. I mean, he's even last year when, you know, when, when a previous coaching staff was in place, I mean, just there were, there is no 
every time he touches the ball, he always makes the first guy miss. You know, not always, right? But um, you have 90 to 95% of the time, I, I don't see the first guy bring him down. Um, you get him in space. Like I, like I just said, the linebackers can't guard him. You know, a lot of times corners and safeties can't tackle him. So, but, you know, he's just, he's just a matchup nightmare for no matter who you put on him. So when it comes to how they've maximized Mitch Trubisky and gotten him to have a good traditional statistic season, even though when I've watched him, I have not been impressed very often just by his pure throwing ability. And, and when he was coming out of college, there was all this conversation about the footwork and so forth. We've seen other quarterbacks fix it, but as far as I can see, that hasn't really happened with him. He doesn't look fixed when it comes to the footwork, especially if he gets some pressure and tries to hang in the pocket. Uh, that's where he seems to be routinely inaccurate. It seems like in terms of painting over some of his shortcomings, that's been the way that Matt Nagy has done it by just getting the running back the ball pretty often and allowing him to be the safety blanket for uh, Trubisky. Yeah, that's that was definitely the case a couple weeks ago. That's the Sunday night game against the Rams. That was, you know, Mitch, you know, he clearly struggled in that game. He threw three interceptions, um, all three, you know, he did different things, different things wrong on them. And, you know, when that happens, Nagy really leans on the RPOs. I mean, they're, you know, Mitch still has to make a decision on those, but he's a pretty good decision maker. I wouldn't say any of his shortcomings have been decision making related. So that's, you know, going forward, that's something that's hard to teach. So I think that bodes well for the Bears going down, going down the road. But, um, those RPOs really help him call them out. And they're simple throws, you know, 80, you know, 80% of the time he's handing the ball off anyway. So that's, that's certainly a way to, you know, when he's struggling that they kind of, you know, they kind of mask over it and still, you know, still stay on the attack with their offense. I think from the coaching perspective, um, you know, for, you know, especially last week too, you know, he had a real efficient game without pushing the ball downfield. I don't know if that was a result of the coaching staff not thinking that he's capable of doing that because, or I, I more so think that that's, that's based on what San Francisco was doing to the Bears. They were playing a ton of zone. They were dropping guys back. They were double teaming any routes down the field, playing a ton of cover two getting safety help over the top. So it, that was just, you know, the coaching staff making a, a concerted effort to say, okay, well, you want us to, you want us to have 12, 13 play drives going down the field, dinking and dunking, you know, slow the game down that way. And that's kind of, that's kind of the, the route they took. And, you know, they only scored 14 points. So, you know, I guess, I guess they did their job on that end, but you know, that was, that was the bears responding to what, you know, a specific defense was doing to them a specific week. So, you know, from week to week, it can change. And this is what I'm very interested to see with the Vikings approach. Are they going to try to make Trubisky just march down the field slowly and sort of dare him to do that? Will they play, you know, cover four? Will they have two high safeties? I mean, they usually, uh, they usually don't. I mean, the, the Vikings are, are very aggressive with Harrison Smith, especially, and they use the safeties to throw off opposing quarterbacks quite a bit. But in this case, I, I wonder if they would play a little more conservatively to not give up something like that big wheel route. Uh, you know, to Tariq Cohen down the sideline or, or whatever it might be, or if they're going to say, you know what, you are at our place and you can't hear and your tackles are going to get off slower from the snap and we're just going to attack like crazy because I, I was looking this up, Bobby, and I have no good explanation for why the Vikings would be this much better than everyone else. But over the last three years since U.S. Bank Stadium has been around, the Vikings are not only the best on third down, they're the best by 6% from the next best in terms of home third down defense. I mean, that, that, that is that is just absolutely bananas. So you as a connoisseur of third downs, what can we expect Chicago to do to try to counteract 
some some of the Mike Zimmer's great defense on those third downs. So anecdotally speaking, I you know that's 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 crazy that they're they're that much better than other teams on on third downs at home. But I, I totally believe it because you know they've got great scheme. Mike Zimmer likes to bring those fire zone blitzes that we've talked about before on those in those situations. So he's he's looking to light up quarterbacks. He's looking to be aggressive. You got the home crowd. You've got the personnel on defense. Um, you know, you got guys that can win one-on-one matchups up on the, up on the, uh, offensive front there. And, you know, that, that totally makes sense. And, you know, just speaking firsthand, I was actually, I was at the Bears Packers game two weeks ago and, you know, the Bears were able to get a good amount of pressure on Aaron Rodgers. And a lot of those were on third downs. And, you, you know, you can feel the intensity in the stadium pick up. You can feel, you know, the pass rush. They feed off that. The offensive linemen. They're going to be a step slower because they can't hear the quarterback's cadence. So they're looking down. They're looking at the center. They're looking at the ball. When they see the ball snap, now, you know, your left tackle's got to turn and look. Well, Khalil Mack's already taken three steps, and he's already in your grill, you know, either pushing you back into the quarterback or, um, you know, beating you with speed around the edge. And the Vikings have, you know, similar similar type players on, on their defensive line. So, you know, having that same that same effect on third downs at home, I mean, it's, it's tough. It really is as a, you know, as an offense, you want to stay out of those situations, especially the third and mediums, the third longs, when the when the when your play sheet starts to shrink and there's only so many things you can call. Mm-hmm. Now it's really interesting that you also coach high school football, so I'm curious about your perspective on this. When you and I were talking last year about Eagles third downs and and what John DeFilippo might do and, and different things like that, you mentioned that very often on a third down conversion, Carson Wentz would just do something great. And Mitch Trubisky does have that ability to just do something great. And he did it against the Vikings a couple times where he dodged tacklers in the backfield. There was one time where Daniil Hunter got a hand on him and he still escaped for a first down. That I can tell you from uh, seeing uh, every game of Daniil Hunter's over the last three years that uh, usually if he gets a hand on you, you don't escape. (laughs) And Mitch Trubisky was able to do that. that. That to me is kind of the thing that has made up for some of those shortcomings with Trubisky is that his running ability is just spectacular. Absolutely. And that's, that's a very apt comparison to compare him to Wentz in those situations. Cause it, it has the same feel. Um, you know, there's a, a countless occasions throughout the season where he does that on third down. Um, and then going back specifically to that Vikings game, you know, some of the, some of the run game schemes that Nagy was using. And that was actually, cause I remember we talked before that game as well. And the bears had struggled to run the ball. So going into that game, they actually they, they kind of tweaked some things with some of their scheme, um, and they they used Mitch on zone read, different variations off the zone read, um, to actually get him to feature him in the run the design run game as well. Um, I mean, it's a skill set that that you know, like you said, if the defense you know guard defends his first or second reads, and you know the pressure's starting to bear down on him, he has great instincts to escape from the pocket. And you know, last week uh, against San Francisco, he completed a ball downfield. Um, down to, to Taquan Mizell down the right sideline on, on a very similar situation um, where the play breaks down, nobody's open, his first or second read's covered, he gets out of the pocket and makes a play. I like how you mentioned bear down there. I don't know if that was on purpose or not. You, made, <laughs> well, you mixed that I, in there. I might have misspoke. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, now, during the offseason, I, I know the Minnesota Vikings had great interest in Trey Burton uh, because he's quick, he, he's a very good athlete, and honestly, he would have been a great fit for the number two tight end in, in Minnesota. He ultimately ends up signing with Chicago. How have you seen them take advantage of his athletic ability, and, and, and has it lived up to maybe the hype of him in the offseason as, uh, as, as a signing? 
So they use him. I mean, honestly, the Bears use all of their offensive skill players throughout a game, and they'll use them in so many different ways. Um, but staying specific to Trey Burton, I mean, they use him. You know, they'll line him in line. They'll flex him out. He'll, um, you know, he'll line up in the backfield sometimes too when they do some of their different formations. He, and, and this this can be said for all the Bears uh, skill pl- position players, maybe outside of Tariq Cohen being the only exception that because there's so much skill and so much diversity in their position group in that position group they're all their numbers aren't what you know i kind of thought going into the season i thought trey burton would be you know a top five um you know a top five you know statistical performer Mm -hmm. you know at the tight at the tight end position um you know that's why i drafted him in fantasy football too so i had a little regret on that on that side of things but um you know they he just you know, early in the season, they tried to scheme him some stuff, and they still do. Um, not not to the degree that they that they did early in the season, but you know, you look at guys like Anthony Miller. I mean, he dis he disappeared for a few weeks. He mm-hmm. he wasn't even getting snaps on offense, and yet last week he has a few big catches. He runs a great route in the red zone to convert a touchdown on third and goal. Um, I mean, it's it's with they truly are an incredibly diverse offense. I mean, they're they're. Their third string running back, Taquan Mizell. I mean, he's on. He's he plays maybe ten to ten to twenty snaps a game. I mean, the Bears will line up. They'll line him, Howard, Jordan Howard, and Tariq Cohen all up on the field at the same time in thirty personnel or thirty-one personnel. So sometimes they'll have two receivers with them, or they'll have a tight end and a receiver, um, and they'll split. They'll split all those guys out, and they'll keep them all in the backfield sometimes. And even against the Vikings in Week Eleven, they ran uh, a play out of their T formation where they got three. You know, they got three backs in the backfield you know, at the same time, it's, they just do so many different things out of so many different personnel groupings. You can't, you can't get a beat on, on any of the tendencies. It's very difficult to, at least from my perspective. So it's going to be a really interesting matchup between these two teams, because what the Vikings have wanted to do over the last couple of weeks with a new offensive coordinator and Kevin Stefanski is simplify a lot of things. Mike Zimmer said after the game against Miami, we ran the same play 10 times in the game. And I'm pretty sure it was just an outside zone run, but Still, he wanted things to be simplified, and here on the other side of the coin is Matt Nagy with this complicated offense where you never know what you're going to get here. Uh, from your observation, would you say that Nagy is now in that conversation for the most creative offensive minds? I, you know, Andy Reid has been there a long time. Sean Payton has been there a long time. We talk a lot about Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. Does he go in that same category where if you're a defense, you never quite know what you're going to get, or you are scared of, of of playing against that guy each week. Yeah, I mean, he definitely, he definitely, I would definitely put him in that category. But I think more of his strength, and this is, you know, you know, I would say, I would call this more of a from a you know, purely football standpoint. I would say he, he's 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 definitely as creative as those guys, but he. He brings. He understands play calling. He knows when, what buttons to push and when to push them for the most part. And that, to me, that's a more valuable trait as a play caller than someone who is necessarily, you know, oh, I'm looking for the next, you know, the next best thing creatively, you know, to, you know, to, to spark that, you know, to spark that talk about it. But, um, I mean, going back to the, the week 11 matchup against Minnesota, I mean, he, you know, like I said, the Bears started to get their running game going, and he stuck to a few. Of, so he stuck to a few different versions of of their inside zone scheme. He ran three or four different, and he repeated those calls maybe seven or eight times throughout the game. I mean, that's not creativity. That's him realizing, okay, we're averaging about five yards a carry on these on these calls. You know, I gotta I gotta stick to it. And you know, against LA when Mitch was struggling, 
you know, mixing in different RPOs to kind of calm him down, yet still move the ball down the field and, and keep the defense on the sideline and rest them. I mean, to me, those those things about Nagy really separate him, even from some of those other guys that that are great play callers and, and very creative. But I mean, he just has that feel of which what buttons to push and when to push them. As we go forward, is there anything that you've seen that you think, boy, other teams should start stealing that? Because we know that every team is going to go through the Bears tape and take a look at how they got the most out of a, a quarterback that is maybe not there yet uh, in terms of Mitch Trubisky probably needs more experience uh, to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league, but has still had a, a great season. And you kind of look at the play caller and the offensive scheme when, when you think about that. Is there a particular concept where you didn't see a whole lot of it before this year that when you watched all this tape, you said, okay, we're going to see more of that in the league as we go forward? Um, Nothing specific comes to mind right now. I mean, there's, like I said, a lot of the different things he does, the variations off things, it's obviously, it's very game plan specific. So if a defense is doing a specific thing, he's got an adjustment for it, you know, on his card. Um, even in the running game, like not just the pass game, you know, when we think of creative play calling, we don't necessarily think of the running game, but you know, I've alluded to it a couple of times. So I might as well talk about it a little bit more in depth now with the running game against Minnesota in week 11, when the bears started to get things going a little bit more than they had in previous weeks off the inside zone action. What they did is, um, so the, these weren't RPOs. These were just design runs. They would, they would have Trey Burton or, or uh, Adam Shaheen lined up as like a wing, kind of like outside the tackle. He would, the Bears would run a zone scheme either to or away from him, and they would lock the backside of of that side of the line of scrimmage. They so the tackle would would block out on the defensive end, and the guard would block out on a three technique if he had a three. If there was a one, he would block down. So ba- basically, whoever you know, whichever gap there was a, a defensive lineman lined up in, he would block that gap. And what the Bears would do is they would bring Burton, whether it be on the same side or the opposite side, around and wrap through on the backside of that zone scheme and lead up onto the weak side backer. And Jordan Howard had quite a few, I think the bears called that seven or eight times. And Jordan Howard had, I want to, I want to say he averaged over five yards. Of, I think 5.2, except looking at this this morning, I think it was 5.2 yards of carry on that concept. And you wouldn't think of that as something that's creative that, you know, teams, you know, teams might not necessarily steal, but I mean, that's, you know, I've seen that in the college game before, but he, it was an adjustment against the Vikings to get better angles on their defensive line and kind of help out at a struggling offensive line and get, you know, get Trey Burton wrapping around for, for a backer and allow the down and allow the offensive line just to worry about the down linemen instead of trying to climb to the next level on speedier linebackers. You know, just a small adjustment like that allows the Bears to be more successful running the ball and allows the offensive line to get moving, you know, and really focus on blocking the down linemen. Yeah, that's interesting. And the guy that I would not underrate in this game is Jordan Howard, who has given the Vikings defense problems in a couple of different matchups. So he's he's one to watch there where we're thinking about Trubisky running or throwing to Cullen and all those things. And that's just an extra weapon is that they have a bowling ball who can run over you at times. And if they find different ways uh, against this Vikings defense, which, by the way, you know, Linval Joseph is a little dinged up and mispracticed yesterday. So that could always be a problem as well. If he's not uh, at 100%, that's something that the Bears might try to take advantage of. So, uh, Bobby, awesome stuff as always. Uh, let me ask you one more thing about the Bears since you've watched them so closely this year. Is this a, a, a legit Super Bowl team? I, I know that uh, I know you're not like the uh, uh, picks guy or anything. You're not the, the Las Vegas expert. But from watching enough of their offense, do you think that they can be a team that wins the Super Bowl with this offense? 
they absolutely have a shot. Um, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm definitely not the picks guy just cause you know, you, you never know, even the experts get stuff wrong, but, um, they definitely have a shot. I mean, they've got all the ingredients. They've got a head coach who understands play calling. He understands how to adapt in game. So he's not just going to stick to his game plan. If something's going wrong, you know, when they're playing, you know, the saints, you know, for the NFC title game or, you know, in LA in the divisional round or, you know, something of that sort, you know, he'll adjust his game plan to give the bears the best chance to succeed. Yeah. You know, the defense, I mean, they're, they speak for themselves. I mean, they're absolutely incredible. They can get pressure on the quarterback with just four and that's, uh, and oftentimes it's just one, you know, it's just Khalil Mack sometimes, but, um, you know, they, they can, they can do that. And that's, you know, teams that, you know, obviously we're, we're in an offensive age of football, but, you know, if you look back at past Super Bowl champions in the last, you know, five, 10 years, they've all got, they've all got a defense. I mean, the Eagles defense last year, they were, they had an awesome season. You know, obviously they gave up a bunch of points in the Super Bowl, but they still had an awesome, an awesome defense that, that carried them to that point. And I think the Bears have all those ingredients. Um, the one wild card being Mitch Trubisky. If he has a game like he does against LA, you know, say the Bears are playing down in the Superdome, mm-hmm. um, you know, where he throws three picks like he did on Sunday night against the, against the Rams a few weeks ago, that's, you know, it's going to be awfully hard for the defense and the coaching staff and, you know, the rest of the team to overcome that. But if he play, if he plays well, which he's very capable of doing as he's done for a majority of the season, the Bears definitely have a shot. All right, Bobby Peters, his book to come out. Uh, when's the estimated date? We think in. Uh, uh, I'm hope. Give me an exact uh, date, Bobby, right now. Uh, this exact moment. date, man. Um, I definitely can't do that, but <laughs> I am. I, I am working on it. I'm trying to do as much of the legwork, you know, getting as much of the diagrams and a, a lot of the text in as I can. Um, once the Bears' season's over, that's when I can. You know, once their playoff runs over, I can take all the the charts and you know include those in. Um, I want to, I want to, I'm shooting for, you know, assuming the Bears play in the Super Bowl, I'm assuming, I'm, I'm shooting for uh, mid to end of February for, for a potential release. So. Okay, very great. Well, of course, <laughs> we will have you back on for that. So Purple Podcast listeners will not miss it. And uh, I, you know, I'll be tweeting it out. You'll be tweeting it out on your Twitter account as well when it's coming out. So you'll want to, you want to keep an eye out for that. The 2018 Chicago Bears complete offensive manual. And trust me, even if you're a Vikings fan and you hate the Bears, even if the Bears eliminate your team, you're going to want to check this out just to understand the game better. And you can take away a lot from it. So always awesome stuff. Great perspective. Bobby, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on. All right. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the Purple Podcast. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.